Hello, people of the internet. Jordan here. The PH is silent. And in this episode, we talk about Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, which just came out, my one-shot that I wrote, Dragon on the Mount, and the Gloomstalker Ranger. So stay tuned. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful and and has audio co-host, Sir Lucian, by Sir Lu- over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Um, <laughs> Welcome, and guys. Before, what I was saying before we had all these audio problems is that this is a rather big show. I, I say big, but we just have a lot of stuff to cover. It seems like it was a it was a big week in D&D with Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes coming out, and the games that we played and a bunch of other cool stuff. So yeah. What do you want to talk about first, Mr. Lucian? I think the news, I mean, that's what they're here for. So, I mean, Mordekainen's drops on Friday. We've got um, a UA article came out early in the week, which seemed to be a really big talking point. If you're watching Twitter and all the other places. And yeah. And I wonder on. why, like, so they, they dropped centaurs and minotaurs. Um, and that's like fun and cool, but like, I didn't understand why people were just kind of like, yeah, except the pants debate. Like what, how does the centaur wear pants? I saw that float up again and I'm just like, okay, that, that joke is old and hilarious, but we'll keep with it. But, um, why, why was it so popular? Why is this something that people want? I thought it was, I, it feels like there are a lot of people that like centaurs and maybe somehow centaur content has been lacking for fifth edition. You know, I don't know if they made a, was it a playable race in fourth edition? Yes. Um, well, I say that and maybe not, but I think heroes of the Feywild, you could be a centaur. Um, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. They had everything in fourth edition. Like eventually yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were pumping yeah, like, out lots yeah, of books book for that after system. Book after book. <laughs> and they've had minotaurs. We've had a, uh, we had one of our guys play a storm born cleric uh, minotaur in one of our settings. Cause he used the, uh, the coast adventures, West coast, sword coast adventures. Sword, guy. Yeah. Sword, yeah. So they re-released that, which was cool, but it was interesting that you had the minotaur as a playable race, which maybe is less as a PC race, as I think of it, than a centaur mm-hmm. would be. I always think of centaurs as good guys. And if it's a good guy race, usually it's a playable race at some mm-hmm. point, somehow. I mean, we got tortles before that. We got yeah. Kenku before that. We've got lizard men and orcs and hobgoblins and bugbears and all that stuff before we got centaurs. So I just think it was kind of interesting that uh, everybody went a little nuts on all the centaur stuff. And I don't know. I always... I always feel that centaurs are like a fey race that you would find in the Feywild and not necessarily find in Faerun. Um, so yeah. maybe that's why I think it's kind of odd where I'm just kind of like, well, but uh, with the Eladrin coming out um, with Tome of Foes, maybe that's why they're pushing for some more Feywildness. So we'll see. So I don't yeah, know. Well, there wasn't a huge there. I don't, recall i flipped through the book and i read a bunch of chapters but i've not read all of it Mm -hmm. um i don't remember seeing centaurs in there at all as like a monster yeah i don't think i did maybe maybe i'll go back through are there more fey creatures in tome of foes i wonder or is it because i remember they they had an emphasis on like demons and stuff so there was like some high level monsters but like no yeah well and i'm trying to think of the reddit thread that i was reading but i don't think that there's any like uh fey lords like of the winter court or the summer court, et cetera. 
as no, Lucian no, no, hurriedly no. flips they, through to verify yeah, for yeah. us. <laughs> well, back, which makes it nice in the game is that they put the big tables in the back, so they kind of group all the all the new monsters in the back. So creatures by environment or creatures by challenge rating, and then from what I'm seeing, you know, there's Underdark. You know, it's lots of different things, but nothing that says Fae for, for specifically, although there are some I saw in here, because they talk about Shadowfell, they talk about the Fae Wild a little bit. Yeah. They talk a lot about demons and, and devils, which we knew because they were building up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about the Duragar quite a bit. There's a lot, there's a three or four more Duragar that you can use. And when you encounter them, some really cool roll tables if you want to use them for settlement. And some and new high level drow I saw. So that's really yep. cool. Yeah. And there's actually a lot of stuff in here. Like if if you were to count them up, and I meant to do it just before uh, we were going to go live, but bailing water didn't work out. Like the new creatures that are challenge rating one and below, it's maybe twelve creatures total in a in a in a book. So that seems you know normally the monster manuals come out or whatever they are, volos and all those. There's a lot more of those lower level, even all the way to well, fifth. and people just play lower level campaigns more often. Um, but that's the like catch twenty two is that are they not producing high level monsters? So that's why people are always playing low level uh, campaigns. And if they provided higher level monsters, would they play a higher level campaign? So I think this book is like a testing water for that, or just like why not? Why not just make some higher level monsters? Um, the book seems specifically aimed at dungeon masters with like a the lore to help flesh out your world and b the high level monsters. Um, but there's some there's some uh, playable races, races in there and some reprints yeah. from some other books I think as well. But I don't know. What do you think? What are your thoughts? Like, would a player get get stuff out of this? So here's what it is for me. It feels like fifth edition's Fiend Folio. Okay. If and you for those of us who don't monster, know what that is, do you want to refresh yeah, us? <laughs> yeah. Well, in AD and D, they had monster manuals. They had one and two, I believe, back in you know advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and they felt a lot like the monster manual we have now. Very mm-hmm. similar. Lots of beasts, lots of creatures, lots of monstrosities, but stuff you're going to meet out in the wilds of, say, Forgotten Realms while you're in a forest, a mountain, a swamp, or whatever. All the all the kind of main things. Dragons are in there. The the, the iconic beast type characters the beast type races or evil races you're going to meet whereas uh, and even volos kind of carried on with that even though it dived into some of the other stuff it still was a lot of stuff about orcs and mind flares and giants and still things that you're going to come across in a pretty standard D campaign yeah but in ADD, fiend folio brought out the stuff that was just out there like the gith yankee all of a sudden the gith is out you, you don't when have you played a campaign where you've come across a Gith Yankee? Yeah, yeah, never. So, <laughs> so yeah, so Fiend Folio to me, back when I got it, had the iconic art on the on the front. I bought it, and it had all these fantastical, crazy, really get the artwork out there kind of creatures, and start putting them in here. Things that you don't know don't come from other mythologies. Things that don't come from oh, I've probably seen that in a movie or a game, or I've heard of that in a book. This was all stuff that just would have some name and you're just like, what is what is even that? You know, what yeah. is a Yugoloth? What is, a, you know, all these different creatures? And I really feel like Mordecanians is the Fiend Folio. Now, it still feels a, a lot like a GM book. It is lots of good reading. Um, in fact, the chapter on Devils has me really, I was like, man, I really want to play a campaign where the antagonist is a devil for mm-hmm. sure, where it's got the PCs in its grips in a contract somehow, 
and the and the PCs are trying to figure out how to keep the contract going because there's negatives if they don't, but somehow trying to find the loophole to get out of it. Yeah. You know, that, that type of campaign. Because the way they describe it in here, it's really cool how they talk about the battle between the demons and the devils, even more so than just, you know, two evil groups fighting each other. It, yeah. they, they really dive into it. It was really cool. Um, I like the talk about the fight, how, why the elves are so split and there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can play a sea elf now. You can play an Eladrian, which we saw in some of the UA articles. Uh, you can also play a, uh, was Shatter Kai, I think is how they pronounce mm-hmm. it, which is the Shadowfell version one. Um, so there is playable races in here. I don't know if you need to buy this book to get to them. Yeah. For, for the players, you might try to find, you know, a PDF is probably enough for you or maybe get the stuff on D&D Beyond uh, or just get it in Roll20 because you can do that if you're playing your games through Roll20 or Fantasy Grounds, that kind of thing. I don't know if you need the book. GMs, I think this is a great book. Yeah. The artwork's fantastic. Um, I don't want to dig on it because I like the book. I've loved everything I've been reading in it so far. But they put out a tweet. When I got to the store, to the game store, the counter clerk said, hey, they're going to put a recall on these. Uh, a lot of these books went out damaged. Yeah, and they just found that's what it I out. heard. And he's like, do you want this book or not? And I'm looking at it. I'm like, it seems okay. And I wanted the book. Like, how do you ask somebody, hey, that thing you've been waiting for for three months. Yeah. <laughs> are you sure you want it? Or do you want to wait a couple weeks till we get a better one that doesn't have the scuff mark on it? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I want to read it. I want to see it. So, like, I've got it. I'm hoping I'm hoping Dungeons & Dragons will still uh, replace it. But I've got a, a cut on the front end of it. Um, and I've got a couple of pages that have some nicks in it. I took some pictures of it. Um, and it was, it felt really weird because it's like a, um, it's, it's like a half horseshoe almost. It's like, it's, it's really bent. Like warped, you know, it's yeah. Not flat. So I don't know. Hopefully they, but the artwork is fantastic. Here's another thing. I think there's more art in this one than there was in, in Volo's guide. So I think okay. they went out and they did the art. I think I counted it somewhere around 187 pieces of art. Maybe more if you count, like some pages would have, two creatures and i don't know if they would count those two together it looked like one page at the top to me so i counted it as one so maybe 187 maybe 200 pieces of art in here in two spots in the book there's a two page spread out of full art nothing else on it like you just get to that spot in the book it's like this poster in the middle of the book of a beautiful Mm. art scene two of them and that was very different so i thought that was kind of cool it feels like they're still doing a little bit of the cartoony artwork mm-hmm. that we've seen in some of the um, like Volos and, and Monster Manual. So it still is that kind of shading, that's kind of colored pencil, that kind of, um, but the artwork's fantastic. It looks really good. And there's just a lot in there. And I thought one thing too, if, if all of you were in chat and there was a specific question you wanted us to look up or there's something in there throughout the show we could take a peek at it and we could probably answer a question or two if we can find it without taking you know, like a yeah. an hour to look for it but uh but yeah. we do have it i think it's good <clears throat> i'm gonna use a lot of stuff in it in fact thursday night i'm sure i'm gonna throw something new in here because i already saw a new spider creature and i my awesome. my campaign is all about spiders at the moment so i want to throw another spider creature at my my players on thursday for sure yeah i think previously that uh wizards of the coast very much like made books for players and made books for dungeon masters and it was like separate and i think their their mentality now is like can't we sprinkle in both in the hopes that um maybe more so with uh 
uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters, but like I'm going to pick this up as a player, and then as I'm flipping through it, I'm just like, oh, actually, I should run a game. Like, and now that I have this book, like I should run a game. And so it's kind of like this: can we can we nurture that GM side of people to actually like run a game? Um, because you're buying this based on I want it. I want this as a player, even though it's only got like four or five races for me. It's something that I'm interested in. But now you have the tools to actually like run a game. Um, yeah. And especially with like the mythology and stuff, because that's also something a player is is lacking. Like, and I guess going back to Volo's Guide to Monsters, like how does a beholder behave? How does a mind flare? Like, what are the inner workings of a mind flare? And so they read those to get that information, and it's that spark of creativity because that's all you really yeah. need. I think it was Sly Flourish was saying that he read the monster manual cover to cover, and he was tweeting out his thoughts on actually like reading a DM book or not a DM book, but reading a, a, a Dungeons and Dragons book cover to cover. Like, what does that actually mean? Cause a lot of us just kind of flip through and they're like, Oh, this monster looks cool. And you're like, you read about this monster, but to read it cover to cover. And he said he had like 45 different ideas for campaigns based on just reading like, Oh, that's how this monster interacts. And like, that got me thinking about this. And so yeah. the, the it's all there. Like you just kind of have to dive in. And, and I think a book like this being half lore and half monsters really supports that. So well, and I think what they've done, too, is if you look back at the old books, you had a picture, possibly a drawing of the creature. You had the stat block, the description of how it worked, and maybe a paragraph or two paragraphs about it mm-hmm. or where you might find it, and then nothing else. Moving on, not connected to the next one, alphabetical order, moving on. But now the ordering of these things, they group them together. They have longer descriptions on creatures, and the whole front half of this book is all about lore about the civilizations, the the communities of these things, how they interact with each other and other things. And I think that's what was, you used to get in probably like dragon articles, dragon magazine articles and dungeon magazine articles. Whereas now I think they're bringing them into the books to do that. And I think that's great because I think that's the stuff we need. We get the stat block. I understand that. Yeah. And I understand the abilities and I understand, okay, I can find it in a swamp, but what I want to know is how does it interact? How can I use it? What's it? It it loves goblins. It hates goblins. Mm -hmm. It uses kobolds as slaves. It hates the dwarves for this reason. Um, All that kind of stuff. So I think the books have definitely taken a better turn. And I'm going to, I started reading this from page front page to cover. I did it with Volos, which was fantastic. And Mm -hmm. this one's already been really good too. I mean the, just the section on devils had me just, just engrossed and i was like oh i want so much more really i'm really excited to make another like devils and demons video after i get my hands on this book and i can read through it um because they also it's just like more lore to to create and and they're they're fine-tuning the lore from like third and fourth edition so with this book and so it'll be interesting to to anyway that's my goal so stay tuned to uh, forgotten realms explained because i'm going to make another video They do mention a couple of the other worlds. There's a couple of things where they talk about Greyhawk, Dragonlance, Dark Sun a little bit, like when they're talking about the halflings, what they're like in Greyhawk, what Mm -hmm. they're like in Dragonlance. I think it's laying the bricks and the foundations to start bringing out some of the other settings, maybe. Yeah, Yeah, probably. Um, And for you, they listed off a much bigger pantheon of elven gods, a much bigger pantheon of dwarven gods, a much bigger pantheon of the gnomish gods, the halfling gods, so... I know you were getting towards the end of your uh, Forgotten Realms gods, but now it looks like there's a whole big list for you to kind of dive into and take a look at. So, no, that'll be a lot of fun. It's good. Uh, Gosh, I'm really excited. I part of me is like I should go get it now, but I have it ordered on Amazon, so I should just wait. 
because I'm that person that orders on Amazon. Um, fantastic, man! I'm so excited for D and D. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about some games that you played. Specifically, maybe a game that I ran on Sunday called Dragon on the Mount. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So we, like the show normally does, we talk about our playing of role playing games, but also Dungeons and Dragons. And we started out. My schedule starts out the minute Saturday morning show stops. My, my schedule for the new week starts. So it doesn't start on Monday for me. It starts on Sunday in case something happens. So Sunday, we did a impromptu one-shot. Jordan had the itch to run a game because he had been a couple weeks out, and he'll probably explain that in just a second. So he got to play, or we got to play, Dragon on the Mount, a one-shot by Jordan, one that many of you will probably get to play at some point pretty soon. I think he's working on it in that. And this is what I like. So here's the inside skinny for all you guys in chat. So Jordan as a DM. So we've heard all his advice. (laughs) We've seen all his videos. But have you really seen him run a game yet? We don't know his credentials. I'm here to say that his credentials are great. He did a fantastic job. He does a much better job than I do of allowing the players to come up with crazy concoctions of plans and letting it say, okay, let's find something to roll to see if that's going to work or not. Instead of saying, are you crazy? You can't do that. <laughs> what? what? That doesn't work. There was you only like, uh, so in the game we played, yeah. um, they fought uh, like kind of one of the bigger monsters that you guys fought was a roper. And you ended up not being able to defeat the Roper. You kind of like ran away from it because it was one of the, and it is, it is a monster you could have defeated, but like it, it hits real hard. And I think the majority of you are just like, we need to get out of here more than, uh, cause there's nothing, there's no reason to, de- to defeat it. But, um, uh, Agrippa was playing with us and she's in chat, I believe, but she yep. also, uh, was like, well, I want to like, I want to like grapple it so that it can't like try to attack us anymore. And that was the one time that I had to say like, no, that doesn't work like that as a dungeon master. I had to be like, I think you want it to work like this, but as per the rules, like you're not actually going to stop it from attacking you. And she's like, Oh, well then is there like a rock above it? And that's one of those things where I'm like, well, sure. Like, why not? Is there a rock above it? Like, do you want to use your special cool ability to try and knock a stalag stalactite down from the ceiling and hurt it? Um, Cause they were in a cave. Um, right. so yeah, I try to, <laughs> try to be open like that. There was, it was fun. Like, uh, I've only ran that adventure once before, um, with my home group. And so it was fun to run it again and see how people play it differently. Um, and ultimately I want to publish this on like drive through RPG or the dungeon masters guild or something like that. Um, and that's why I'm like play testing it and trying to like work it out. But yeah, so it was fun. We, we threw some interesting things at him. We had, um, a lot of different classes. He let us play kind of just about anything. So we even threw some classes that he had not, I don't think you had seen before. I, I had no idea before. what Agrippa was playing. Like I, yeah. I was like, I probably Mystic. read that on Earth Arcana, but I don't remember it at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, but it was really fun. He was also learning at the exact same time. Roll 20. Yeah. He kind of did like an impromptu session of here's how to get a game up and running um so that he could play the game which was cool because i hope that encourages him to to run more games now yeah it was it was easier than i thought roll 20 like once i kind of got got like oh this and it was helpful to have you there because a lot of times i'm just like uh how do i make this happen with this and you're like oh you just like click here and click there and i'm like oh great so but roll 20 is intimidating for new like it's it was intimidating for me as a player when i was playing and then it was oh hi puppy 
<laughs> and then it was intimidating even more so as a dungeon master because I'm just like, I'm not sure how to make any of this. Or like if my players had questions on, well, how do I do this in Roll20? I was afraid that I'm like, I have no idea how to tell you how you do this yeah. in Roll20. So It's not hard to learn once you get into it. It is intimidating in the yeah. beginning. And it I would does agree. take a little bit. You don't want to just have your first session ever. If you're a brand new GM, because I did this. Brand new GM, very first game I was going to run, I had to also learn Roll20. I also learned how to stream it on Twitch for the first time, get everybody in, and it was a, it was a lot to take on when you just want to run your first game as a GM. I encourage you that if you want to do that, to go ahead, because I'm never going to discourage you from your, your, your passions and your dreams. But be careful, because I took on a little bit more than I probably could have chewed too, and it worked out, but it was a lot more work and a lot more yeah. pressure on myself for no reason, really, except I was just going to do the whole... I just decided I was doing the whole critical role thing or I was doing the whole uh, role play thing from it, me JP or those kind of guys. So the prep was just different because I'm used to being like, well, I opened my monster manual and I've got my stats there for the monster and we roll and we have fun. And this one, I really needed to import that stuff into roll 20 in order to be able to like click attacks and things like that. Now I'm going to say, don't be intimidated by roll 20 because you don't have to use it. Like, uh, we had a player that was kind of like, I don't really understand the rolling mechanics within roll 20. And I'm just like, just use dice at your, at your desk. Like, tell me yeah. what you're rolling and that's fine. So you could totally bypass all of the weird mechanics that roll 20 does to try and make the game, um, progress like quicker, uh, and just like roll real dice. And that's like a completely, I mean, use it like that. And then you can just move your minis around however you want. So I didn't, I could have made like monster tokens and that was it. But I like linked my kobold monster tokens with the stats that I had inputted in. And so I was able to like click their attacks and stuff. Um, which once you do all of that prep work makes the game just fly. Like I, it was really cool to just sit down and be like attack, attack. Okay. You guys are good. These guys are going to move over here. He has advantage. So I click this. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And if you guys haven't played that, um, roll 20 has a couple of ways, like in a brand new game, you might just have a, a blank character sheet that you can't really interact with. Um, and then you would just roll dice on your desk and say, or roll it in chat, or they do have a little dice icon on the left-hand side where it can say roll one D six or roll one D eight. And you can do that. But with Dungeons and Dragons, because it's so popular, and it's been out for so long, your character sheet has all of that stuff on it so that when you click the word initiative it rolls your initiative plus your bonus you click yeah. the word long sword plus two it does all the things it knows it knows your class it knows your abilities it knows all the stuff it needs to know so it is really cool that once that piece is set up that you can use it but you don't need it if you're playing a brand new game that's not supported or you don't want to dive into that just like jordan said definitely just you know get in but it allows you to put together a game basically saturday afternoon with five people you were the sixth mm -hmm. organize it get them ready and play on sunday and ready to go whereas that's kind of sometimes hard to do if you're going to get it to happen at your table like to get everybody's schedules to coincide on a day's notice and say yeah hey, you guys want to play online. on mother's day yeah you could yeah that was the other thing it was, it was mother's day <laughs> yeah yeah but roll 20 allowed you to play that game roll 20 allowed you to play that and i don't think you miss a lot from not being at the table it is different and there's other stuff, you know, you don't get your snacks. Mm -hmm. uh, the table talk is less, probably. Mm -hmm. We didn't, re I recorded it, and, and at some point, maybe Jordan will want to put it up. I'll maybe send it to him so he can watch it. Yeah. To see. 
I don't know. Um, chat, would you be interested? Like, we can upload it to probably the... Uh, so, the Saturday Morning D&D show has a new YouTube channel. I'm no longer going to upload it to the Forgotten Realms Explained channel uh, because there's a lot of reasons for this, um, but mostly I feel like new subscribers to Forgotten Realms Explained were like, this isn't the lore that I signed up for. And I think it's better if we can get the Saturday Morning D&D show to kind of stand on its own. So that's why we switched over. So there's a new Saturday morning D&D show YouTube channel, which um, maybe towards the end of the, uh, I'll, I won't look for it now, but I'll put it into chat so you guys can subscribe there if you want to, to catch uh, older shows. But we could upload it there if you guys are actually interested in watching this. I don't claim to be, like, I don't think it's, uh, the reason we didn't stream it is I didn't want to stream it. Like, I wanted it to be casual. So it is kind of just casual us playing. Like, it's not, I don't know. There was nothing. Yeah, we're not interacting with chat. We're yeah, not, it, yeah. It's just a game. It's it's, it's just a game. It's a but... representation of an ex- in a, a game. That's all it is. But There's you can see how it performing. works and how I run as a dungeon master. I guess if that's something yeah. you guys are interested in. <laughs> Looks like Indoor found it and put it. Oh, in thank the, you, Indoor. Uh, chat for us. We we're gonna. Yeah, today was the day we were gonna unveil it and announce it. So. All right. Uh, and that was just Sunday. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was, was Sunday. So what else happened? Sunday, oh, impromptu. wait, but I wanted to talk about, I yeah, guess we, we, I wanted to talk about what did you play? Cause that was, uh, yeah. you really liked your character. I did. I really fell in love with a Ken Koo gloom stalker whose favorite ranger, terrain right? was the underdark. Yeah. Basically a ranger subclass gloom stalker. And I kind of knew I would, I, I did it with Jordan cause I knew he would roll with it. But the abilities of the Gloom Stalker, boy, can really mess with a DM because that ability that says if a creature relies on dark vision, you're not seen by that. You're effectively invisible to that. Right. That changes a lot of things for your group. And in fact, when we talked about Jordan's game, his last group went through the adventure a little bit differently than we did. Mm-hmm. We went through very stealthily. We went through very sneak attack, like coming out of the shadows and then trying to get a lot of advantages and just blowing through guys. And he was like, okay, I hadn't realized that was a way to go through it. And he asked him, he's going to think about, should it be adjusted? Does it need to be adjusted? Or is that a valid way? Because all of a sudden this group, which was a totally different group, went through it a totally different way, which is good to see when you're you're testing. But I like the Kenku. I like the idea in the, the blurb in Volo says... Kenkus don't have voices, right? They they mimic sounds or they yeah. can mimic other voices. And a lot of times if they want to say, hey, there's a battle going on, they make the sound of two swords hitting each other or yeah. the sound of a sword hitting a thing. And it says in the book, don't be annoying by being the guy or girl who just makes noises the whole session and that gets on people's nerves. Yeah. You can be more descriptive. You can say, my person, my Kenku makes the sound of battle, which you all recognize as, hey, I see people fighting or something. Right. Instead of me going through a million different, you know, bird sounds or animal sounds or whatever. So I took that as a challenge to say, I want to do a Kenku and make it interesting and fun, but not detract in any way from the game yeah. and the players. Don't make it about me and my crazy sounds or whatever. And then two, try out that Gloomstalker about being an uh invisible to all these creatures that have dark vision and it was it's a really good class like it is super fun i want to play it from level one up to level 20 at this point just to try <laughs> it out. it's a ranger that i would love to play yeah, and so many people cool. are down on ranger class that it's not powerful enough it doesn't scale like everything else it doesn't have all these cool things 
But that subclass, I think, made Ranger interesting to me again. Mm. Maybe not base Ranger, but at least that subclass Ranger was very interesting. So I definitely recommend you check it out. I might do a video on it just to go through how I did it. Um, It wasn't min-maxed. It was just a cool concept of a Kenku who, in my head, had a lot of underground experience, um, couldn't fly, which made made sense because he was underground, so didn't need wings to do all this kinds of stuff. Um, I like the ideas of the sounds he could make to throw his voice you know, and play around with those kinds of things. And I think it was a really cool character. So I hope to get to play something like that again pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. It was it was fun. You guys were super stealthy, which threw me for a loop because I think it was the first, like, two encounters. They just got a surprise round because of that. And then ultimately, me as the DM, I'm like, I have to stop this somehow. So right. I made the last of the effective. second encounter, I made the kobolds that you killed, like, instantly um, scream out so that they were alerting the rest of the kobolds in the room that I knew about, so that the next time around, you guys were stealthy, but you didn't get surprise rounds. And so I'm like, I'll I'll award you the stealth, because I think that's clever, but I didn't want to have you just have surprise round after surprise round after surprise round, and just, like, make all of these encounters as easy as possible. But, gosh, it was really fun. Yeah, and it makes you think, too... um... In that game, we had to really have a discussion, and it was a good discussion at the table that you should be encouraged as a GM. Like when we play these games, we're always looking at them of how can we pull something from it that could help another GM that's either new or even hell, you could be GM for twenty years and you might learn something new. Yeah, yeah. Um, we talked about that mechanic, that idea of stealthing around, surprise. How do you alert somebody? And then how do you know if somebody's there? Are you using your passive perception to detect Mm -hmm. them? Are you using active perception roles? Are you making them roll stealth roles? How often are you making them roll the stealth roll? Because if I go from one cave just down to another cave, is that two different stealth roles or do I get to use the same one? So those are good discussions to have at your table so that everybody kind of has an idea of how we're going to play this because players want to get an advantage. Mm -hmm. But most really good players and most of the players that I played in, they're not trying to get too much of an advantage. Yeah, like if it, it's too good, they're willing to, when the DM says, you know what, that seems a little off, they're willing to go, I get it. Yeah, it's it's kind of a little cheesy. Yeah. I'll back off from it. I won't do that because we want advantage, but we don't want too much advantage. And we that's exactly to- what happened. Like I finally just said, uh, you guys are going to just like mop up this entire cave if I allow this to keep happening. So let's say for the sake of that, that they're on alert, you know, and so I'll, I'll give you your stealth because you guys are super stealthy and that's awesome. But yeah, what is the ranger spell that, or the druid spell that indoor adventure cast? Pass without a trace. That's the one where everybody had a plus 10 to their stealth checks and the passive perception for kobolds was like eight or nine. So I'm like, you, you always win. Like there's nothing that you can roll that doesn't allow you to be stealthed at this point. So that's when I'm just like, we got to put the kibosh on this. So Yeah, to make it to keep it fun, to make it fun, but mm-hmm. it is a valid thing, you know. And your that your players are going to come up with something crazy. I, I won't spoil it, but we in a way ruined the first part of his module. Like we bypassed mm-hmm. it in a way that he didn't even realize was going to happen. And there's a whole chunk of space that he may have thought out in his head. Ah, this will probably be like a 20 minute thing that'll take up 20 minutes because a lot of times with GMs you're thinking about how much time because I've got a four hour session yeah or I've got a three hour session you're thinking about okay this is going to take up that much time this is going to take up this much time 
I give leadway for RP and other stuff going on. But then all of a sudden there's a 20 minute chunk gone from your schedule and you're like, Oh, and then we hit another one on the mountain. And then you were, I remember we were having a little bit of talk about, well, how many encounters should we have? Yeah. Maybe I'll cut this encounter so it doesn't last. Cause I think we went about four and a half hours. Maybe I think we so. Five? Yeah. We went yeah. longer than I had anticipated. And so I think I needed to, and this is why I'm play testing it. Cause I wanted to like cut out certain, um, so I think we'll cut out one or two of those fights and streamline it and make it a little easier. So, yeah, but and that, that's the DM part. That's the, the dungeon master part that we want to park. You know, we're, that's the stuff that we love about this show specifically. We get to talk about those yeah. kinds of things to help you guys out. So, so now that so we long winded did that, uh, oh, what's yeah. the, what's the rest of your week look like? <laughs> so we bumped standard array, which usually I have an eight o'clock show or 9 PM show with uh, PB. We do standard array and it's a show about RPGs that are not dungeons and dragons. Um, and instead, we did it on Monday night. So we did a Monday night, and we talked about Numenera 2. Now, I know it's a game that you have enjoyed. It's a game you've grown to love. I feel like it's a game you were a little bit shaky about in the beginning. When I, oh, when I very much Before so. you started, you were like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. You went like, through a session. It almost felt like, and you're like, yep. Eh, it's okay. No, it was like, end, it wasn't D&D. And I think that's exactly yeah. the problem I had with it. But I'm like, but it's not D&D. Like, I, I'm the D&D guy. I play, I like D&D. But um, definitely playing Numenera, and I haven't not Numenera too, but playing Numenera, um, it's my eyes have been opened. It's a really fun system. So yeah, so we had a show that talked about because if you go out and search, and you might say, "Yeah, oh, Jordan played this really cool game Numenera, and I want to find it," and you Google search it, you might find some things that reference Numenera too, and then you might see Numenera, Numenera Discovery, and Numenera Destiny, and you might be thinking, "Well, I want to play the game that Jordan played." Well, wait a minute, which do I buy the new one? Do I buy the old one? And we wanted to try to clear up a little bit of that confusion because Numenera 2 really doesn't exist. There's not a second edition Numenera yet. They unfortunately called it that during their Kickstarter, but mm. the name changed after that. And it's really a revision, not a brand new edition. So if you want to find out about that and you're you're you want to make sure you might you make the right purchase. Go check that video out for Standard Array because we we dive into it. Me and PB dive into like the timeline of it, the stuff that you can find out there, what you can pre-order now, when it's going to be available, you know, if you want it or you don't want it, all that kind of stuff. Um, so you can check that out at that video. So we did that one, which was really good. If you want to know about Numenera, and it's a great game. It's a fantastic game. Very much um, a storytelling if... game. Like, yeah, you have to you have to really enjoy the role playing and storytelling aspects to enjoy Numenera. Like, I feel like you can enjoy Dungeons and Dragons if you just like combat because it's kind of like you you talk through and you you explore dungeons and stuff, and then you get to the combat, and that's what you really like. You like figuring out the puzzle that is fighting other monsters. Um, and Numenera is not like that, but it. And that's kind of what put me off from it, I think, is because I'm like, but it's not like that. And that's something that I enjoy is combat in D&D um, because that's the whole point. Like, I want to use my spells. I want to use my abilities. Like, I want to I attack the goblins. Um, but if you have the right dungeon master, Numenera can be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That might be true of any game. <laughs> that's true, yeah. <laughs> So Thursday night is my standard West Marches, Borderlands, pre-West Marches game. Um, this is the, if you remember from last week you were in our show, I'm pushing the party to their limits. They are now on their fourth fight 
and they've only had one short rest that they've gotten away with so far. And they are really starting to feel the tension. They're really starting to fight amongst each other if they should mm -hmm. leave or stay. Um, they're really getting worried if they're going to be able to heal each other. They've used their hit dice. Now they don't have enough hit dice. They can't get enough spells back, and they have to figure out what they want to do. And it's made for a very awesome, fun game, and they're liking it. And it may not be the way you do all of your sessions, but you might look at putting in your campaign a encounter that even though it'll take multiple real world sessions, it ends up being like a, an eight hour trudge in a dungeon where every time they stop for more than 10 minutes, something catches up to them and comes after them. It's not just going to leave them alone in a corner, let them have an eight hour rest and then let them come out on their own and do whatever they want. That's not happening in this this one. They're coming after them. They're trying to get, get to them, and the players have to really decide what to do. So it's been a really fun experiment with multiple encounters before long rest because you're so powerful after your long rest, mm -hmm. that power curve drops way down all of a sudden when you don't have all those abilities ready for and you. And just resource uh, management, like knowing how many spell slots you need to like hold on to and knowing how many hit dice you need to hold on to. And I can only use this once per short rest. I really need to like make sure that it's, is this the time to use that, you know? Yeah, um, they're running out of arrows. Yeah. They're running out of food. They're running out of all the stuff that's going on. So it's like everything becomes, and in some ways you might think, oh, I don't really want to, I don't want a game where I track minutia of inventory, right? Because that can sometimes be, a dig on like world of Warcraft where I'm in my inventory screen more than I'm actually playing the game or, you know, lots of those things. But I think it's good every now and then to have that survivalist mentality of resources are dwindling. You're not going to be able to get them back. How far can you push and go before you cut and run, you know? Mm. So it's going to be interesting. So that's been fun. Um, that's building to a crescendo. A couple of the players think I'm trying to kill them. Just, they think I'm trying to wipe the party out. And I'm like, no, you guys keep making it out. You keep clawing your way through it. Um, it's not balanced in such a way that I'm just trying to kill the group off. Yeah. Um, but it's tough and it's the toughest thing they've faced so far. And I think they're liking it a lot. So it's been cool. Good. Um, then... I don't have anything happening last night. I was thinking about doing something last night, one shot wise, but I ended up not doing it because I basement flooded again. So I've been dealing with that, but I got invited by a fan of the show. Um, I want to say Dixon um, was his name. He contacted me on Twitter and offered me to, to host a game. He wanted to run a game for us or for me. And uh, we're going to play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the RPG <laughs> on Monday night. So I thought, oh, that's going to be super cool. I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The comics and the cartoons grew up on those. Um, have always liked the movies, even though they're super corny. Um, I love the original um, as much as I still like the, even the newer ones are fine. I like them, but I even love the original ones, just the, the way they made those costumes mm -hmm. and they made you feel like, yeah, they weren't quite right, but they felt pretty good. Like you could almost believe there was a, a turtle in a trench coat standing in an alleyway that <laughs> the reporter kind of thing, you know? So, uh, and, you know, bebop and rock steady. And I watched on geek and sundry at one point, they did a teenage mutant Ninja turtle campaign. And I'm certain I won't be as entertaining as they, they were, 
with, you know, Hector Navarro and, and that whole crew. But I definitely am excited to try to play it out on Monday night. So I don't know if it's being streamed or not. If it is, keep an eye out. We'll put it up on my channel or, or I'll at least link it or, or host their channel if they're doing it. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a fun game and I'll talk about it on the next Saturday morning D&D show and I'll tell you how it all turned out. Yeah. So And uh, thanks for the, uh, I just heard a ding, ding. <laughs> One of those things. Um, and that is my week. So pretty fun. Um, had some good stuff in there. Oh, we had a follow. Thanks for follow there. Roll with disadvantage. Good name. <laughs> what was your RPG D&D &D week like, Mr. Jordan? Uh, back from vacation. Back from vacation. So, yeah, we did Dragon on the Mount, um, which was... We talked about that in depth, but that was a lot of fun and really excited to jump in and play D&D &D again because uh, it had been like three weeks, maybe four weeks that I haven't played D&D &D because my group just being wishy-washy about when they want to play and then going on vacation um, and like my wife was gone and a bunch of other stuff. So we just haven't played D&D. &D. We're playing tomorrow, which I'm really excited for. So that'll be fun to get back to my table game. Um, and then we have the Numenera season one finale, uh, that's, I'm over there at Saber Dice and Numenera is a really interesting game because we had a finale and we had like what seemed like a big boss fight, but we didn't actually have any combat. And again, like I talk about combat with Numenera, but it, it was just this puzzle to solve. Um, and we kind of solved it incorrectly, which cost, um, my character Ari, uh, has a metallic arm and... I guess, I don't know, spoilers, you should go watch it, but, like, I lost my arm. My mechanical arm just died, and they had to surgically remove it, and so now I'm this one-armed character. So as we go into season two, if we do a season two, we're still talking about whether we want to, like, continue with these characters and things like that. I'm trying to decide if I want to have a character with one arm, because on the one hand, I feel like I'm like, well, I won't be as strong as other people or I'm going to have all these problems. But then on the other hand, I'm like, narratively, that's really interesting to have one hand or one arm. Yeah. So uh, I'm leaning more towards that. But I'm, I'm also trying to figure out um, my character, Ari, was a uh, strong glaive that fuses flesh and steel. And that was the whole point of this mechanical arm is that I fuse flesh and steel. Um, so now that this arm is gone, I need to pick something else. So I have to be a strong glaive that does something else um, through the Numenera book of character creation. Um, and I'm not sure what I'm going to choose. Uh, or, or could you fuse? I mean, I would work with the GM and say, can I, can I go on a quest to find another arm to fuse? And maybe this time it's not a human arm, or maybe this time it's yeah. something crazy. It's like, yeah, some kind of tentacle or something i don't know but yeah, i was thinking about that and i need to work with the dm and see like is this something you want to work into the story for season two like ari is missing an arm and we need to go on a quest or or something like that or do i need to fix it in character creation and i say fix it but i i basically want to uh i don't know I, I need to look through all the options and stuff but yeah it was it was a really good ending it was really exciting it was high tension like uh, i'm having a lot of fun with that game and i'm excited to keep playing it Although my schedule is just getting busy. Um, and I also do a lot of like local theater shows. And so being able to, I have to go to rehearsals and things like that on Monday nights. So I can't always play these games, but um, I think it'll be really fun. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I love Numenera. I did Adventure League and Adventure League is always fun. 
Uh, we are playing through Forges of Fury, which is from Tales of the Yawning Portal. Uh, and I've missed a couple sessions, but luckily I've been playing with the same GM and the same uh, couple players. And so I get there and they're just like, where have you been? I'm like, oh, I was in Thailand. And they're like, oh, so they filled me in on like what's been happening. And then I can kind of just drop in and continue to play, which is really fun. I was so, lost in the jungle of Chalt. Now I'm back. Now I'm back. Yeah. And and it's a lot of that. You kind of just have to suspend belief and be like, and now this person's with you. But yeah, um, I finally caught up. <laughs> yeah. But we killed a bunch of Sturges, which are these weird mosquito bats is what we ended up calling them. They like latch yeah. onto you and suck your blood and uh, they don't have a lot of health, but they do quite a bit of damage. And so that was really fun. And one like role-playing aspect that I had a lot of fun with is we were trying to open this secret door. Like we found this secret door, but we couldn't figure out how, or we didn't have enough strength to open it. They were doing strength checks and our, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but our fighter is a dex-based fighter, so he can't open it. I'm a dex-based bard, so I can't open it. And then we have a rogue who's also dex-based, so the rest of us are all trying strength checks to open this. We couldn't get it open. Um, and then I asked the DM if I could cast Shatter to try and, like, destroy the door. And he loved that. He awarded me inspiration. He just thought it was the coolest thing. So, you know, burn a spell slot, open a door. He thought that was completely fine. So I destroyed this door, but I also alerted all of the people in the other side of the door because I used shatter. So they were all on guard as we came into the room and a bunch of orcs attacked us. Um, but it's fun. And I like, I like being able to use magic to solve problems like that. Um, it's one of the reasons I like playing wizards and warlocks and things because you get utility spells. Like I like utility spells. It's kind of fun. The, the dreaded door that's tougher than anything else in the dungeon. Exactly. And that's what <laughs> we happened. Like we were it. just rolling and, and it got to that point where you could tell the dungeon master was just kind of like, do I let them keep rolling strength checks till they succeed? Or does something different have to happen? And luckily before he had to make that decision, I said, I'm going to cast this spell because yeah. I've been there too, where you're just like, uh, well, everybody's tried. And my rule as a dungeon master is that something different has to change. Like if you roll a strength check and you can't, you know, open that door, then you can try again, but something different has to change. Somebody has to help you. And if that fails, then something else has to change. Well, this person helping you still didn't open the door. How, how, what are you going to do now? Something has to change. Well, it's like, well, I take, and it could be like, I take the oil from our lantern and I drip oil on the doorknob to try, or the hinges to try and like get it to open. And I'm like, okay, then we can make another strength check, but something has to change. Um, or you can't just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. So, yeah, I've saw, um, a couple of ways that I've seen somebody tackle that same thing. Cause I do it. I think like you do it too. It's just like, I, I want to hear what your different plan is. Yeah. Then I'm willing to give you another role, but you, you convince me your plan is you've got something cooking here mm-hmm. and I'm going to work with you. But I've, I've also seen some people say where you can try twice. <clears throat> and if you want to try a third time, if you fail, you get your first level of exhaustion. Yeah, that's a good one. And you can try a fourth time all you want. You fail, you get your second level of exhaustion. Mm-hmm. So it puts a mechanic there that's not about the GM saying, no, you can't do it anymore. Exactly. It becomes a player going, crap, do I want to take the chance? Yeah. No, I need to come up with a different plan. So it puts it on them versus us telling them no, right? Because yeah. the whole idea is we, as GM advisors, and we hear it from all the videos, is you're trying not to tell your creative players no 
if you don't have to, or if you can't, you know, as little as possible, because they're there to have fun. They're there to be heroes. They're there to do heroic things. And if you keep saying, no, you can't climb that rope because you, you weigh 250 pounds and there's no way you could climb a, a little rope, you know, or you can't do this or you can't do that. They're just not going to stay with that. They, mm-hmm. they don't want that fun. Saying no all the time is not fun. It's not fun for the GM just to yeah. say no all the time. You know, you want to have fun. But um, so I thought that was an interesting way to do give them the chance that there's and I love the idea that, OK, your first chance, maybe you open that and it works out and the role are with you. But after that, I'm going to let you open the door, but I'm going to make it take twice as long as it should. And mm-hmm. I'm going to make it super loud. So it's going to cause all kinds of other it's going to be a complication. So like in other games when they, especially like uh, uh, Powered by Apocalypse games, they always say like roll 2d6 and if you roll a 7 to a 9 on a 2d6, you get what you want, but something bad also happened. Yeah. So you get your door open, but something else you didn't want to happen, happened. Now roll a 10 plus, hey, you got the door open, you got exactly what you wanted, nothing bad happened. Mm-hmm. You roll a 6 or under, uh-oh, you know, yeah. all kinds of bad stuff happened. So I like the idea. I'm trying to put more of that into the Dungeons & Dragons mentality of, okay, there's the there's the chance of failure, mm-hmm. there's the chance of success, but a complication, and there's a chance of uh, really good success, you know, and have that kind of range within my games if I can. And I told myself... Uh back to adventure league i told myself when i came back from adventure league i was going to try and maybe make a game with some of these guys that i've been playing so rather than now we'll probably still play adventure league but i was going to see like are you available on a friday or a saturday and maybe i could run a game for them so i approached them and i said and this is what adventure league is for i think is finding the people that where you're like i like playing with you we should start a game i'll dm it blah 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 and so I ran up to him and I said, you know, uh, if you guys are available, like I, I have this game called Hot Springs Island that I'd really like to run. And um, I'm looking for players. And if you have some friends, like we can get three or four of you and we can totally play a game. And they were like, oh, we just started a game on Saturdays that um, the rogue is going to be DMing. And so he, they were just like, probably not, but, like, but maybe we can incorporate you into our game. And I was like, oh, that'd be really fun. So now I'm talking with them and hopefully I'll have another game to play, which would be pretty exciting. But then that conversation even blossomed some more because the dungeon master was saying, you know, a lot of the dungeon masters here at Adventure League don't get a play. And so there's a, there's a group that, we're looking for, hey, can we take the the five dungeon masters that don't get a play on Thursdays and can we run a game for them on Friday? And so I volunteered for that too. I was like, I totally run a game for you guys. Help me organize who wants to play where. Like we could play at my house. Like I've got a table and stuff. So um, we might be doing that. So I might be running Hot Springs Island, which I'm really excited about. Um, I just got to coordinate more with these people. Something they they did that was really cool is they made an Adventure League Discord so that we can all like chat with each other and you can chat with your dungeon master and kind of be like, I'm going to be here this week or I'm not going to be here this week um, and kind of work out uh, magic items and downtime and things like that. So I missed the paper going around. I forgot to take a photo of it. So I don't actually know the Discord, but I will next week when I go (laughs) and then I'll coordinate and hopefully we can we can run some games. But uh, go go play Adventure League. You'll meet cool people, and maybe you can run a or create a game for them because that's what I'm doing. So it's kind of fun, yeah, and that's super fun. Mostly it. Uh, if you, I know you guys watch this live, but you should all go and subscribe to the Saturday Morning D and D YouTube channel because we've got a whopping like I don't even know seventy six subscribers right now. 
Yay. trying to get it to grow. Um, but yeah, and I'll talk to Lucian and maybe we'll get that, that game posted up there. Cause that could be fun for you guys as well. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll definitely look to put other types of content up there when we can. Um, it was just the idea of having the type of content that people are there for in the first place yeah. that they get more of that. So that always makes more sense. Um, and chat looked really good today. Again, um, as you guys are subscribing to the channel and you're, you know, following and, and those kinds of things that helps all of our channels out and we're constantly setting up games with our fans. So mm-hmm. I see four different people in our chat right now that have already played in one of our games and one of our one shots at least. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's super cool. So this is a cool community to be a part of right now and you get to play with us at times sometimes. <laughs> so that's always fun. And uh, we love doing the show. It's so good. And I can't wait for more. There's so much more coming up next week. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? We got like five minutes, six minutes. Do you want to take Anybody questions? Anybody got any Mordecai? I didn't even check. Was there any Mordecai questions from chat? We should go back through it just in case. I have the book right in front of me. I can uh, answer a question. Oh, I see. Oh, Sky Blue Mist spelled my name wrong. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be busy talking about gods till 2023. Yeah, it's a possibility. Um, actually, my next video on Wednesday, I just finished it, is going to be about the factions of D&D. So uh, the first one will be about the Harpers. And then I'm trying to find enough information about the other factions, but like the Harpers has a, have a ton of information on it. And the other ones were kind of invented so that there's more factions than just the Harpers. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a break from gods for a little while because... That's been a long time. That was a long running series. I think it was 20 some videos. So it was awesome. Uh, I did see somebody say the Raven Queen. They do mention a little bit more information about the Raven Queen in this book. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking to find a little bit, because it's a very mysterious figure in Forgotten Realms at this point, they've left it shrouded in shadows, as you would say. Yeah, it's like they they don't want to define it. Um, yeah. because it what she was a god in fourth edition and now fifth edition they're like going back to older D D history um so she wasn't in the player's handbook which i was surprised about but because she's popular i guess that's the yeah. reason like if she wasn't popular it would make so so much sense not to put the raven queen into um the fifth edition stuff but like people really liked that aspect of fourth edition so there's some more uh, tiefling possibilities for race chosen being uh, having a direct link to one of the uh, devils. Um, and that gives you some different options for tieflings. For those of you that are tiefling got big again, uh, critical role had a couple of them in their campaign. And I think that kind of shot tiefling up. We've been seeing them a lot around CO, Eladrin, Shadokai, Durgar. Oh, the, uh, the deep gnomes are in there. If you want to play any of the deep gnome stuff. Um, I saw in here a couple of new trolls, a couple of new types of trolls, which I thought was really interesting. Um, Real quick, and this is not released yet, but I wanted to talk about it. So some people contacted me because of my YouTube channel of of the, the God videos that I'm making, and they're making a PDF for the drive through RPG. Um, and it's going to be released in like a month, but they gave me a preview copy of it because I've been making this and they were like, maybe you'll talk about it on the D and D show. And so that's exactly what I'm doing, but you guys should check this out. Cause I just perused it a little bit, but it's called faiths of the forgotten realms. And when it's actually released, we'll talk about it more on the D the, uh, Saturday morning D and D show, or maybe I'll tweet about it or something, but you should definitely check it out. 
um, Faiths of the Forgotten Realms. And what they did is they went through every deity and they made a role chart to be like, why do you follow this deity? And what aspect of this deity do you love? Kind of like um, Xanathar's Guide to Everything had with the classes, like why are you a sorcerer and things like that. And then they went through and every deity has a cleric domain and a paladin oath tied to that deity. So if you're like, I am a de- I am a cleric of a Zuth, it has very specific, like here's a Zuth uh, mechanics that you get. And so... It, I don't know. I was just like, man, I really want to make a, a an entire cleric team. Like I was reading this and I'm like, how cool would it be to have like, we're going to get five clerics from different faiths that all have to get together and work together in a party. Um, and you have all these different mechanics, but they put a lot of thought into it. It's a really cool product. And so when it's released, I'll let you guys know more about it. But um, the perks of having a YouTube channel, they just contacted me and sent me that. And I'm like, this is really cool. So, and there's so much really good stuff out on uh drive through RPG. I go through that constantly and I'm just like, please take my money. Please take my money. Please take my money. There's lots of cool stuff, stuff on drive through. So yeah. Good that I'll never get through, but I'm like, I just want it. I just want it. I just want it. We'll put a link out there if you guys want to get that stuff too. Um, yeah, there are a lot of roll tables in Mordekainen's uh, books. So like, if you want to create your own demon, you want to create your own devil or oh, arch devil. Cool. They have demon ideals, demon bonds, demon flaws, unusual demon feature roll charts and stuff. They, they added a bunch of those kinds of things, even for like, why would you, how is your link to the demon as a tiefling? There's some roll table charts and there's, if you encounter a group of dwarves, what's the, the makeup of that? How many of them are soldiers? How many of them are clerics or whatever? They go through and they give you a bunch more roll tables that you can use to flesh out your NPC crowds and your NPC um, people in your world. So it's really cool. So good book. Good book. Good, stuff. Good show. Thank you guys so much for coming out and watching uh, us live on the Saturday morning D&D show. Um, we really appreciate it having such awesome people in chat. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, more more news, more uh, information about our games. I'm excited to play my game tomorrow, so I'm going to have a whole bunch of information based on that. Uh, I don't think I'm going to Adventure League next week, which is sad. Um, I'm going to go do some other things on Thursdays, but yeah. We'll have loads of information for you guys. So thank you guys so much for coming out. Uh, anything else, Mr. Lucian? Nope. Come check us out uh, tomorrow night. Where we've got a standard ratio. Mm-hmm. We might have a special guest, um, possibly somebody that has a really good connection to the Numenera crowd and Monty Cook games. Cool. Uh, if not, we're going to be talking about another game. We've got a big list of RPGs that we're going through. We're talking about what we like about them. Um, and maybe there are RPGs you haven't heard of or you haven't tried out yet. You can at least hear about some of the stuff that we're working on. So that's tomorrow night, 9 p.m. All Eastern. Right. Cool. We'll see you guys next Saturday morning. Bye-bye, everybody, and Bye. take care. See ya. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.